the Italian, uh, the... Hey, Bren. Yeah? We have a listener question. Oh, shit! <laughs> I forgot entirely. Let me put my thing down, flip it, and reverse it. Welcome to the Magic Winks Clubhouse, a podcast where two best friends get together fortnightly and recap every episode of the Italian Magical Girl series, Winks Club. I'm Brendan, and I'm Fairy of the Surging Sea. And I'm Tess, Fairy of the Rolling Stones. Today, we're watching Season 1, Episode 5, Mission at Cloud Tower. This is a straight translation of the Italian title, and in the Four Kids dub, it is called Secret Guardian. The Italian version aired February 9th, 2004, and the 4Kids version aired July 24th of 2004. All right, Tess, I put out a call for listener questions. Did we get any and this I week? I appreciate that. We got exactly one from swiftly becoming best friend of the podcast, Cassidy at Mad Lobotanist. We love you, Cassidy. <laughs> we appreciate you very much. You help make these weeks a little easier. Her question is, well, not like question, more direct statement. Put the girls in RPG classes. Bonus points if you don't use any casters. Okay, see, so I've been doing some thinking. The big problem is at least three out of five are, like, they are straight casters. Like, there's, there's no better pairing for them. You know what I mean? Right, because I mean, the one I know for a fact is Muse is the Bard. And Flora is the Druid. And the problem is, the other option for Flora would be Ranger, but that also is technically a caster class. Hmm. Uh, Musa is such a Bard, it, it's not funny. Um, Tecna is either a wizard or a monk. She knows Kung Fu. Or she's <laughs> an artificer. Is there a mix of monk and wizard, or? Not as far as I'm aware, no. We don't have punch wizards. Well, there are punch wizards in first edition Pathfinder. Those exist. A wizard? A wonk? Disciple of the (laughs) Iron Ring or something like that. But I'm going to say, uh, Tecna is actually probably just dual classing in... Uh, monk and artificer probably which i can mm, see that bad idea she's stretching herself over too many ability scores but eh, her decision and now we get to the hard ones because i have no idea what stella is i mean because like the flashy dramatic one is usually the bard unless she's like some sort of uh maybe she's a sorcerer um Aisha is some flavor of merperson. Uh, we don't worry about her yet. Oh. But she, uh, Aisha, is the fighter, I will have you know. I love her. I want to be Aisha when I grow up. And Roxy's a ranger. Because she's also nature-based, but to a slightly lesser degree than Flora, and she has a cool animal pet. <laughs> 
Nope. <laughs> Who's our main character? See, that's the big problem. Is actually, I'm not. I'm actually going to. S- hmm. Okay, so you've got like artificer, barbarian, cleric, bard, wizard, sorcerer, monk, fighter, paladin. Stella could be a paladin. She's not very lawful good though, so maybe Praise not. Praise the sun. Uh, she's probably some sort of sun cleric, just so. She's the hardest one to fit, honestly. Cassidy, if you have an opinion on, based on what you've seen of Stella, I would love to hear it, because I'm drawing a huge blank. And Bloom Email is, us. Uh, tweet us. Uh, Bloom is definitely a sorcerer. The thing with sorcerers is they're born with their magic. They don't have to study it like the other arcane casting classes or pray for it like divine classes. So it would be kind of, it would fit her story if, you know, she came across Stella fighting Nut and then found out she's got like this incredibly potent fire magic. And then she was a good Christian and prayed to God and everything was fine. And Icy died. Yeah, that's that's about how clerics work. So Stella, to be determined, I will tentatively say, no, you know what's really funny? Stella the Barbarian. So there so uh there we go. Our party for season one is Sorcerer, Barbarian, Druid, Bard, dual class artificer with uh artificer monk. And then in season six, they get a fighter because they need somebody to wear heavy armor. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Cassidy. And we uh, love with, you. And with that, I think we're ready to get into the episode summary. So the opening of the episode is the most drastically different between the two dubs. Uh, God, right? Since, since we use Cineloom as our base template, we'll do that. And we'll yep. note... It will note the start of the four kids dub when it comes up because they did shuffle this whole episode around a little bit. Yeah, it was so freaking weird. So in the Cineloom dub, we start in Althea's library where Bloom is researching uh, Stella's ring, which gets called and the. She goes. She she goes Sorry. down a list of like different items that she comes across in the book. One of which is dream catchers, which I found a little odd. And culturally appropriative. It's it's even odder because it's an Italian show. And the commercialization of native culture has seen to it that dream catchers are becoming a global commodity. I hate that. So Bloom finds Stella's ring in the book, and it is given an official name, which is weird, and it's called the Sword of Power. But it's a staff. And it says it's part of the lineal right to the Princess of Solaris. So we're starting our script errors out real early. (laughs) I mean, the Ring of Power, the Scepter of Power, something along those lines would probably work more. Also, the Sword of Power means that Stella is (laughs) He-Man. So maybe she is the Barbarian. By the power of sunlight, I have the power! By the power of sunlight, I 
photosynthesize. No, that's Flora. I mean, at one point, Stella does just go down because she has no sunlight. Yeah, that's in season two. (laughs) Bloom then, like, well, after she, like, looks it up in the library, we do a jump cut to Bloom talking to Stella about it. Like, Stella doesn't own the ring and know about it. Wait, your ring belongs to you. Duh? And then Bloom essentially starts, for lack of better terms, mansplaining the history of Stella's ring to her. Yeah. She's just expositing. She's an info dump, but it's an info dump from the wrong person. You're info dumping to a person who knows the subject. So the backstory is... I'm going to call it the a galaxy far, far away. A long time ago, but in this galaxy, and I'm going to call it the Scepter Ring. The Scepter Ring was forged from a stone that had been immersed in the Spring of Light, which was a gift from the Great Sacred Fire. Incredibly vague terms. Nobody here has studied the creation story of the universe, apparently. Don't you love it when a fantasy novel opens with, like, a really long backstory full of technical terms and you're expected to remember and there's no glossary in the back, so you're just kind of lost? Did you mean Aragon? Uh, hmm. You know, I never read the Aragon books. I only saw the movie. I was super into them and then I just stopped reading them. Hmm. Uh, Bloom continues to exposit that the sacred fire is a relic left over from when the great dragon sparked the creation of the magical dimension. And then everybody starts having a discussion over whether it's a literal dragon or an allegory. Yeah, Techna says, I think the dragon represents an ideal, like the embodiment of good versus evil. And then Bloom quips in with, yeah, can you repeat that in English? Which is hilarious because Tecna literally just gave the most stock ninth grade English class answer. And this is college. Come on, guys. You're in 13th grade, girls. Act like it. This isn't a community college. The girls, it was a little bit earlier where they start, uh, like, talking about why the tricks would want the ring. And here's where we get a weird little tidbit. The Winks started calling the witches the tricks. They I, did I not call choose that section, name for themselves. I call this section on the origin of the tricks. Silly witches, tricks are for kids. I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. Um, At one point, I, I want to say it's Flora. Flora asks Stella, did you know all about this? And she's like, I was never good at history. Ask me about shopping, though. Which is bad. It's bad. Uh, I just, I prefer the, I don't know, the phrasing does go exactly like that in Four Kids. In Sinaloom, it's a little bit more delicately worded. And that Stella says she doesn't know a lot about ancient history, which is a little more understandable. It kind of softens that blow. But like we get it, she's the she's the shopping girl in this friend group. Yeah. Oh, what is that song? Yeah, then, Stella is Ariana Grande's Seven Rings music video embodied. 
Um, then the girls go their separate ways. Bloom is like, I'm going to go back to the library. I want to find out more about the mythical dragon. And then Miss Farragonda swoops in from out of nowhere. And it's like, what did you say? I'm sorry, Bloom. Did you mention a dragon? I can tell you about the dragon. <laughs> Follow me to my office. In the beginning, there was nothing. And then an egg appeared and Arceus hatched and began creating- Oh, wait, I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's the, um, in this universe, you see, in the beginning, there were two opposing cosmic forces named Anu and Padme, and they hated each other. And there was also this thing called Sithis, I don't know. And then they interplayed and made the Aedra and the Daedra and then the Elder Scrolls universe. Hold on, wait. In the beginning, there were two brothers, one who liked truths and one who liked ideals. They had a dragon. I like that yours was, both of yours are Pokemon. Uh, Does it, <laughs> In the beginning, there were two brothers. One was good. One was evil. One uh, only spoke truths. The other only lies. <laughs> but the the great dragon apparently just manifested with the big bang, is what I'm taking away from this. Because it materialized Probably. from a flash of light. And oh, also, uh, Miss Farragonda's, Miss Farragonda's telling Bloom all of this. She brought Bloom into her office just to create, just to tell her the Magic's Realm creation myth. It's also worth noting that the dragon is just referred to with it pronouns than a Sinaloom dub, but with she pronouns in the Four Kids dub, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> in the Four Kids dub, Miss Farragonda's like, wait, you were in the Forbidden section? Well, yeah, Bloom used her invisibility cloak. She sneaked out, middle of the night, she picked up a book, screamed at her, 11-year-old me, she his pants. <laughs> and apparently the book only showed her, like, one sentence. And Miss Farragonda said, that book showed me several paragraphs once. Which is odd, because the way this is framed, it seems like the thing that, if you were, like, it seems like the kind of thing they would get to in magic history class. In in the Sinaloom dub, it's framed as like, this is an allegory about the creation of the universe. We don't know if it's true, but it's what we have. And in it the four like, kids dub, it's like some great cosmic truth. It feels like in the Sinaloom dub, this is just something that everyone has a base knowledge of. Kind could, of like how... You could ask any schlub on the street, hey, you know about the dragon thing, right? And they'd go, oh, yeah, yeah, the, the dragon that made the universe. Uh-huh. Like, on Earth, you'd find people who were like, the Big Bang, God, the world turtle. Like, everyone has their own creation myth. And myth. Pretty much, I use quotation marks, but... That's the scholarly term. Well, the Big Bang was not a myth, but... Everybody <laughs> the has... Big Bang happened. Everybody has some knowledge of how the universe was created, and it's, you know, it just depends on what they were taught. Right. This is what, uh, presumably, all of magics knows. So, when the dragon came into existence, it ignited the magic dimension with its fiery breath, and it spread light, life, and heat throughout the magic dimension. And then, after spending most <laughs> of her energy... The dragon became tired and rested on a planet that came to be known as Domino in the Sinaloom dub. 
while in four kids it is called Sparks. This, is that with an X? I believe canonically, yes. It is S-P-A-R-X, like Spyro's little dragonfly buddy. Okay. This is sort of where we start doing the plot divergence thing between Four Kids and Sinaloom. Because the changes in Four Kids start up slow here, but they will slowly build until things start to kind of radically diverge. <laughs> Half of my notes for the Four Kids version, at least in this episode, is what is happening? What is this? What? As much as the Sinaloom dub just kind of starts out by throwing all of this exposition at you, arguably the Four Kids dub is worse about it. Uh, in the Four Kids version, the Great Dragon, as she is called, is created by Starlight, not the dragon created everything. It's just weird changes that... I mean, Cave Starlight will make anything, won't he? <laughs> it wasn't enough you made it's a just... god computer, you had to make a dragon too, didn't you? <laughs> it's just weird changes that didn't need to be made. Like, I can understand the changing names for this that or the other reason or changing plot points that might not be understandable by american kids but this is just changing a name to a different name switching things making something like what is happening back with bloom and farragonda bloom says that stella told her that domino is a cold dark and dead planet and farragonda says yes it is but it didn't it wasn't always that way. It used to be like a prosperous kingdom before it was attacked by the forces of darkness who snuffed out the dragon's flame forever and the magical dimension has never been the same since. Um, I, in I want you kids. kids... I'm sorry. I, I want you club kids to put a bookmark in this. In four kids... Bloom says that Stella told her that Sparks doesn't exist anymore. I mean, that's sort of the same. The The phrasing makes it odd, but I guess it's basically saying the same thing. Because it doesn't exist anymore. Macedonia doesn't exist anymore, right? Yes, it does. Hold on, wait a second. I thought of the wrong extinct culture. Were you thinking perhaps of the Mycenaeans, the Minoans? No. Mesopotamia? The Tigris and Euphrates rivers that are around it. Yeah, that's that's Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia. Uh, Farragonda then asks why Bloom is so interested in the dragon, and Bloom says that she's just got this really nagging gut feeling to learn everything she can about this new universe. And you know what? I feel her on that because I like reading the lore entries too. <laughs> there are like 80 books worth of dialogue options in this story. I want to learn. <laughs> Bloom gets a codex entry. The Great Dragon. So that's why it's called Dragon Age. Hmm. Uh, in the Sinaloom dub, Bloom just kind of excuses herself from Farragonda's office, and in the Four Kids dub, the bell for class rings. 
Which you I know, think is a, was... I think it's a better excuse for her to just leave. True. Otherwise, she's just like. Opposed... <laughs> <laughs> cool story, Prof. Bye. Uh, Faragonda is watching her with the. I understand that it's supposed to be like a thoughtful expression, but it's just blank. Like, that is just Miss Faragonda's face. There is no expression on it. Completely neutral. Meanwhile, we go back up to the um, apartment suite. And it's it's nighttime now. And it's raining. Stella just says that she wants a ring back. It is her ring. She doesn't care why the tricks they st- want it. They stole it. It's mine. We're getting it back. And Flora wonders how exactly they're supposed to do that since they've gotten their asses kicked by the tricks a few times now. Bloom says that they'll use the element of surprise. They're going to use the same tunnels the tricks used to gatecrash the Alfia Red Fountain Mixer to sneak into Cloud Tower while everyone is asleep. And Tecna is ready to kick the ever-loving garbage out of the tricks. Like, she is ready to fight. Also, Bloom mentions that they discovered the secret underground tunnels. No, you didn't. You found out about them because you saw the tricks come up them. I don't even know if they saw where the tricks, well, she saw where the tricks came from. But, like, as far as she knows, they just got into the basement somehow. But, yeah, it's not important. The, The thing is, it's a callback that these tunnels still exist. Which, from the map that Darcy had, it's just a triangle. Straight lines from Althea to Cloud Tower, Cloud Tower to Red Fountain, Red Fountain to Althea. And they make it sound like it's easy to get lost down there, so who knows. In Four Kids, Stella mentions that she needs to get a ring back because it's the source of her power. And Tecna mentions that Something along the lines of, yeah, and we have a big quiz tomorrow. Why would Stella need her ring for the quiz? Well, if it's a practical. And then Flora mentions that this quiz counts for half their grade. It's a bit early in the semester for that. (laughs) That's not what quizzes are, too. And then Techna says she downloaded a map of the underground catacombs. Why do you need a map? It's a straight line. We cut from the girls talking about their heist movie to the tricks having an impromptu float yoga session. <laughs> the tricks are having one hell of a slumber party. They're yogaing and just screaming. Yeah, they're they're doing the om chant and they're in lotus position. Are they doing the Om chant, or are they just going, ah? In the Cinelum dub, to me, it sounded like they were pract- They were doing the proper Om. Oh, um, by the way, this, this scene right here, this scene about, like, what, like, one-third into the episode? Yeah. This is where Four Kids starts. Yeah, Four Kids opens on the witches, and then cuts to everybody wondering why the- they want the ring. It's... Why did you need to change that? Why is this your cold open? Why do you open on float yoga? (laughs) Because they need to be melodramatic. That's true. 
So the tricks keep doing float yoga, their chakras align, and then they resonate so powerfully they make an explosion. Uh, everybody gets like thrown back. Apparently what they've been trying to do is forcefully unlock the ring's power. Nut gets woken up because it is again late at night and, and he didn't get woken up by the oming in the living room. He got woken up by the explosion. So he wanders out. He's like, what's all the noise? Stormy of all people casts a spell on him to make him forget what's going on and go back to sleep. I have this in my notes as Stormy Magic gaslights him. Uh, Icy basically throws a tantrum about not being able to force the ring's power. And... Darcy and Stormy point out that, yeah, the ring is powerful, but there's no way it could have all of the power of the great dragon in it. And now we have why the tricks want the ring. <laughs> and it turns out that it's super not what they thought it was. Icy hurls the ring across the room, then does a little bit more exposition to reveal that their goal is to harness the power of the dragon flame. Because I guess you need to blatantly state it. And there's like a split second cut to the winks trekking through the tunnels, but I don't know why that's here. We um, didn't need this. It's just there for someone to ask if this is the right way. Runtime, I guess. The episode was a little short. So Nut is now sweeping up the mess after the explosion. And Icy tells him that they, that the tricks are going to go to the woods, presumably to sacrifice a goat. And to or meet Nut. <laughs> and to meet them when he's done sweeping. So yeah, and, they're going to sacrifice Nut. Uh, there's this big circle mirror in the Trix's room, and apparently it is a secret passage that leads directly into those access tunnels. Convenient. Because of course they made one of those. They, they made that. I almost made an Alluvion joke when it's like, oh wait, it actually opened. <laughs> While Nut sweeping, he, he sweeps Pepe into the wall. There's another duck-shaped dent in the wall. That's not what's important. What's important is he sweeps up the ring that Icy just kind of threw and forgot about. Also, Nut sounds really, really bored right now. Like, his voice actor has no anything about him. Nut's voice actor is phoning it in. I don't know why I always have to be the one who does this. Don't ask why he sounded like John Wayne. <laughs> So the Winks are now in the proper Cloud Tower dungeons. And Bloom says they should use their magic to locate the tricks just in time for Darcy to scream for Nut. And uh, they decide to follow the noise. So they immediately smash cut to the tricks' room. And here's the thing, though. Uh, Icy says that Nut is Darcy's ogre. Now there's two possibilities here. One, Nut is specifically working for Darcy. Two, this is that kind of thing where, oh, he does something stupid and now he's my ogre. <laughs> the Winks are in the Trix's dorm room 
And it's this bi-level suite with three beds and no individual rooms, which that I, I don't like that. I don't know why. Okay. I just don't like it. In Cineloom, they're just snooping. They're looking around trying to find Stella's ring. You'd think she'd have a locator spell on that thing, but whatever. In Four Kids, someone cast a locator spell that's taking a while to charge up. So in Cineloom, Techno expresses some thoughts that make no sense, are weirdly yeah. intoned, and are clearly <laughs> only here to match the lip flaps. <laughs> <laughs> what are they? I can't even remember. It's just like, you say a sentence. Oh, that's right. I say another sentence. Um, She finds a voodoo doll. And I'm like, don't touch that. You'll get cursed. There's probably a whole class on how to do that at Cloud Tower. But in the four kids version, Techna has such a lax reaction to voodoo. Like she mentions that voodoo is so junior high. And I'm like, did, did, did you mess around with voodoo in middle school? I don't. Okay. Can I have a little like aside here? Yes. Voodoo proper is a beautiful religion that draws heavily from, uh, West African, specifically Nigerian, even more specifically Yoruba religious practices mixed with a bit of Catholicism, uh, like a like a heavy glossing of Catholicism because that's, you know, socially outwardly acceptable. Especially, a nice glaze of Catholicism. And pop culture voodoo is usually just this ignorant kind of, oh yeah, you stick a pin in a doll and it hurts somebody. Or it's just, like, it's Creole-flavored Hollywood Satanism. I don't like the casual use of voodoo. It just bothers me a lot. Especially when it's so easy to... European traditions have a direct analog... Well, not direct, but you know what I mean. An analog mm -hmm. to voodoo dolls called poppets, which are symbolic dolls filled with, like, graveyard dirt, nail clippings, a rusty nail, and you use that to curse somebody. And I feel like that, it's especially weird that they wouldn't use something like that considering that it's in Italy and Stregeria is a known commodity. That's just me on a soapbox. I've always heard the term poppet used in like a cutesy nickname type? You know what I mean? Well, that's also because it's an old... It's just the old English word for doll. <gasps> puppet! Yeah, and it's probably directly where we get the word puppet. It's from ah. that sound morphing. Cute! So this has been... Brendan gets on his soapbox about non-European religions being treated uh, poorly in media. And also providing some useless information he's uh, stored from his interest in the occult. Meanwhile, Musa finds a club that instantly turns into a mace. Okay, sidebar. If this was Again? a show... Well, not a, not a sidebar, sidebar. Like, yes, immediately another anecdote. No. <laughs> the way Musa holds that thing and laughs at it, feels like if this was a Ooh. show aimed at older children, it would be a sex toy joke. 
Do you do you know what I mean? Oh. And then the spikes come out. Because yes, it's actually a morning star. <laughs> it's a mace that converts into a morning star. And given that it's purple, or the spikes are pink, so it's probably stormies. Yeah. It's a lightning rod. So the girls do find Stella's ring. It's still sitting on top of the pile of dirt, by the way. And when they go to use the mirror passage, it it's locked. So presumably it was still open when the tricks left, or only Icy, Darcy, or Stormy can open it from this side. So they're going to have to find another way out. And this is where we get the most obvious commercial cut I've seen yet. <laughs> the girls are back in the catacombs trying to find another way to get into the access tunnels. And Bloom, they just want to leave at this point. Bloom finds a door and her main character senses start tingling and tell her that there's something plot significant behind this door. And Techno's like, uh, we do need to leave. But Bloom ignores her and opens the door. And it's the Cloud Tower Archives. And Bloom immediately pulls a book from the shelves. She sets it down on a reading lectern and opens it up. And that sets off Professor Griffin's ring alarm. (laughs) Nice to see that she has a someone set foot in the archives alert. Yeah, we see Griffin in her office and her crystal ball starts blinking at her. She <laughs> scries at she scries down into the archives room and at first it sounds like she thinks it's one of like her students, like it's some cloud tower students who are under the archives when they're not supposed to be. But then she sees that it's Althea's students and she just looks like somebody gave her the best present. Okay. Honestly you'd think that Griffin would admire the fairy's chutzpah to come in and try to like just buzz their stuff, but no, she's instantly just like, teehee. It's time to mess with them. I think she does express a little bit of admiration at first, or she's like, oh, that's so cute. They broke into the school. Because, you know, she just had her students do that to them. Okay, and as they're wandering around the archives... Someone mentions that they have a record of every fairy and witch in magics. And Bloom's like, maybe they'll have a book about me. And I'm just like, why do you think that you, an Earth girl, would have a book in the Cloud Tower archives? And then immediately she has a book in the Cloud Tower archives. So here's what I think is is going on here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna draw another Harry Potter like parallel. Of course you are. So, one of the few explanations J.K. Rowling has given about how her universe works that isn't complete horror that she pulled out (laughs) on Twitter is that there is a magic book in Hogwarts that whenever a child with magic powers is born, it writes down their name so that when that kid turns 11, they'll get, well, you know, whenever they're born in the greater, the Great Britain, Ireland area. Uh, they will get a letter inviting them to Hogwarts. I assume this is a similar thing. Well, at first I thought they were just biographies. Like, this is a, like, you know, books about every witch and fairy who have existed. Like, notable. Like, I thought it was a, you know, like a hyperbole. 
but apparently it's literal. And I'm going to assume it's one of those things where it's like everybody has, like every time a fairy is or witch is born, a book will appear in the Cloud Tower archives that has a rough outline of their life because we're working on predestination rules. I have a question. Yes. Wouldn't Althea have an archive exactly like this one? Presumably somewhere. They just find the Cloud Tower one first. Alright, so... It makes me wonder if Red Fountain might have an archives room, but I don't know. We we don't see the boys do anything particularly... They barely go inside. That's true. We've only ever seen them, like, working out in the yard. We have never seen the inside of Cloud of uh, Red Fountain except for the ship repair bay. Alright, so Bloom discovers a big book with her name on it because she's the only fairy named Bloom. And she goes to open it. And Tecna's like, wait a minute. Are you sure you want to do this? It might have something you don't want to know. Or like once you find out, you can't stop it or whatever. Bloom says, I just want to find out who I am, why I'm here, how I could be a magical creature on Earth. She opens the book and the Butterflix dance video starts playing, showing her the terrible future that awaits her. Everyone screams. Episode (laughs) over. And the episode ends. Oh, wait, no, it's just the Necronomicon. Yeah, the book grows a demon face and cackles at them. And uh, tentacles shoot out and, like, latch onto Bloom's arm, but don't seem to do any, like, actual damage. Just scare the bejesus out of her. And this is Griffin, uh, up in her office, doing some remote witchcraft through her crystal ball to scare the winks so that they'll regret breaking into Cloud Tower. In Four Kids, instead of Techno saying, you might not want to learn about your future... Techno decides to be smart for once this episode and just goes, this is fishy as all get out. I don't know, Bloom. This book was really conveniently placed, like, even for you. Oh, well, I'm the main character. Thump. Maybe she should have saved that good decision potion for now. Yeah, really. (laughs) So Muser grabs Bloom's arm, says it's time to leave. Everyone breaks for the door. And then Griffin makes the door disappear. <laughs> and then Tecna helpfully goes, the door's gone. Thank you, Tecna. <laughs> I love, I absolutely love what being the smart character in a children's show just means you point <laughs> out the obvious. Right? Sinaloom Tecna delivers the best line read here. Because... <laughs> Uh, like, the door frame is back, but apparently it's just been, like, vanished or it's sealed off and they need to break it down. So, Tekna delivers the line, allow me to give a dramatic performance. Let's try a little. Tekna power. And finger guns at the door to try and blast it open. Oh, I missed one dumb line. Oh, boy. Um... When Musa grabs Bloom to get her out of the library in Four Kids, Musa says, we're bailing out of here now. This place is whack. 
I am shocked she didn't say it's time to bounce. Because that is peak early 2000s slang. Sorry, time to jet. Got a blast. Wait. Technus finger gun doesn't work. And then she suggests, well, let's try a power convergence. And then we Which get... Which is also said in four kids. And then we get the full transformation sequence for all five girls. So we really must have needed to pad this time out. Like, when we say full transformation, we mean entirety of Bloom's transformation. Entirety of Flora's transformation. Like, everyone transforms. Yeah, we don't get any split screen. We don't get any, like... The cuts. The only thing that gets cut out is like the eye close-up that normally goes with a transformation sequence. No, it's the full thing for everybody. So all five of them blast the wall. uh, And that does break down. And they start running for their lives because I guess they forgot they had wings. And then Techna mentions... We haven't been here before. Stella says, What do you mean this place looks the same as every other hallway in this damn school? And Techna says, I have a photographic memory. I notice details. If you had a photographic memory, well, no, that's fair, actually. If they came right into the Trix's room, she wouldn't know the way back. She would know the way back as soon as they got into the tunnels. But only, maybe only if they... I don't know how eidetic memory works. And we don't have time to expound on that because spiders. Not quite spiders. Giant not quite spiders. Roll for initiative, girls. Like, what the hell are these things? These are um, not spiders. Okay. They have according four legs. To Musa in, according to Musa in the Four Kids version, they're called red caterpods. And they're bad news. They got into my friend's castle once and I never saw her again. Hmm. Conveniently, that is not dwelled upon. (laughs) They're also not that giant. They are, like, maybe cat-sized. With this thing, um, Uh, I'm just reminded of... Do you know what they look like? What? Do you remember the crab robots from Code Lyoko? Oh, what the... What were they called? Like cankery. Like the homestuck. Because that's just like the Greek word for crab. <laughs> um, I'm actually reminded of that scene in Daphne and Velma. When Velma just goes all Rambo on tiny robots. Code Yoko Crab. Would you like to know what they're called? What are they called? Crab with a K. Why is the name Cankrelot standing out to me? I don't know why. Oh uh, yeah, they're the little they're the little dudes. They're the like the little ones. I was right, Cankrelot's a thing. Like I it, it was familiar to me too, but yeah, those are the little little minion dudes from Kobioka. They're like the, the the putties. Ah Wait. There was a Kodlioko MMO in the mix? That is astonishingly appropriate. That's actually, like, that makes perfect sense, and I'm shocked it never went anywhere. Hi, welcome to Code Lyoko Cast. Amon sans danger. The girls decided that instead of running from these spiders, they'll just cast a force field. 
and so they like get in a circle and throw up a barrier and when the spiders touch the barrier they start burning (laughs) they kneel down and just start moving their hands in circles i mean that's how i'd make a barrier spell i mean it takes less time than casting a circle like, that takes time. That takes ritual implements. I don't think they have any Sage or Palo Santo. And then it stops working. And the little scuttly crabs make it through. And then Flora remembers, hey guys, we can fly. And then she summons... Flora casts Summon Nature's Ally to make these... Um, what, do you, what would you call this thing? It looks like an... It looks like an anteater mixed with a cow. I said the exact same thing. <laughs> well, I said polar bear and cow, but... <laughs> Surely you mean a penguin bear. No, it just has bear. <laughs> she calls this thing a spider eater. <clears throat> and then in 4Kids, she takes the time to extol the method, like the, the virtues of biological pest control by using natural predators. Flora, biological <clears throat> pest control is a wonderful idea, but that's also how uh, Hawaii got overrun with weasels. Did you know that's why Alolan uh, gumshoe, like like Young Goose and Alolan Murtada have a thing? Because Europeans in- accidentally introduced <clears throat> rats to Hawaii and they tried bringing in weasels to eat the rats, but the rats just became nocturnal so they wouldn't ever meet the weasels. And now Hawaii has t- had two invasive species problems. That's almost funny. Also, animation error. There's a there's a handful. I'm talking about the one where Tekna decided it was too hot and she took off her sleeves. Yup. They're just they're just not colored properly. I kind of like how this looks a little better. But it seems like the animators have a hard time with that specific blue on sleeves. Because it seems to be the only one that has that issue. It was t- it was Stella in the last episode. I feel like it has to be a budget thing. There's no, like, I mean, not these obvious coloring errors, but there are so many animation errors in the first season of Winx Club. It seems like they did not have the money to fix these animation errors once they were noticed. Do you know what I mean? Right. Because they're usually very obvious errors that somebody would notice during editing. Especially the one Um, that comes up a little bit later. After the anteater cow wanders off through the halls of Cloud Tower, we don't... It's not mentioned again. It does explode. It, It, like, dissolves into pollen, so I guess the spell ended. Okay, so Flora creates life and Flora takes it away. Um, the smushed remains of the crab robot spider things turn into what I call, oh Jesus, goo monster, what is that? Um, my note, quote, the goo of the destroyed spider starts congealing into some sort of horrid abomination. Stop. Don't use the word congeal, it's gross. <laughs> do you have a better, like, do you have a better verb for how these, like, rem- spider remains turn into this horrifying monster that is covered in mouths and eyes? Yes, they smush together. 
The girls start running away on foot. Once again, you can fly. And thankfully, um, Bloom remembers this time. And also, Techna's wireframe airplane flutters for some reason? I think it's just to give some form of visual interest. Like, maybe it's supposed to be flickering. The wing fluttering in this show is also, like, that is one of the most common things that they just won't animate. Like, characters will be flying, but their wings will be still, or maybe doing a one-two frame animation. Like, wings don't flutter, they jiggle. Ew. Girls find themselves at the end of a corridor with the goo monster slowly coming in on them and they make a plan to just all blast it. Hey girls, we have magic. Everybody just blasts the hell out of this thing and Techna throws up a shield so that they don't get any monster gook on them when it explodes. And my absolute favorite part of this episode pops up. Hmm. Stella says, we have a problem. Tecna bashes down the door because she's been stuck here for too long. And then (laughs) Stella goes, not anymore. That made me feel a genuine human emotion. I laughed at that. (laughs) I had to pause the episode. I'm just like, (laughs) she just shoulder bashes the door down and Stella's like okay we're good the four kids dub somehow does not like I feel like this was a piece of accidental comedic timing genius do you know what I mean Mm. uh girls we have a problem boom not anymore (laughs) and they end up in a place that Stella says is a witch's horde in so many words like, witches are apparently very messy, and instead of getting rid of things or cataloging them neatly, they just chuck it all into a pile. I mean, that's how I deal with my problems. All your problems go away down the bottom as well. So, in this horde, they get, a, they get like, harassed by another weird bug monster. That Musa gets freaked out by, and Stella decides to be all hero and blasted with the power of the sun. This causes a fire, because- How hot was her attack? I mean, light- If it's- If it's powerful enough light to do damage, that's probably coming from heat. Especially since it's sunlight. So Stella just set this whole horde ablaze. And now they're trapped. They're trapped and everything is on fire. Tecna, sleeveless yet again, is resigned to her fate. Like, she's literally just like, there's no way out of here. She's like, we're going to die. I don't want to be a contrarian, but I thought that was a result of more like the orange light from the fire. Like, doing weird things (laughs) to the pale blue color of her sleeves. I don't know. It honestly- weird. It honestly could be either, since they did forget about the... They did forget about it earlier. Also, someone says that the flames are blocking the door. The door that they just came in from and are standing right in front of, clearly not blocked by fire? Well, what matters is, Bloom starts dissociating. 
Naturally. <laughs> hey, Brendan. Yes. There was a shift in Bloom's reality factor. <laughs> the reality pressure. There was a shift in Bloom's reality pressure. So, like, Flora is starting to choke on smoke, and Bloom is like, oh my god, I just killed everyone. I led them here. They're gonna die, and it's all gonna be my fault, which is surprisingly heavy. Meanwhile, in four kids, let's just ruin that bit of silence. Did they add uh, unnecessary dialogue? Unnecessary dialogue. It basically starts Bloom's hearing of voices now. And adds about 30 seconds of talking from the voice from nowhere. Bloom starts hearing a voice from nowhere. Uh, and it, the voice is like apparently coming out of the fire. And it's telling her, walk into the flames. It, they will lead you to safety. So, And everyone else is thinking that Bloom is just going to self-immolate. <laughs> But the, the, there's this really cool thing that happens where as Bloom walks into the fire, it parts. All right, Moses. And it parts to reveal a, a door. Not like a, not like a door, but like a drop shaft. It looks kind of like that thing from the Power Rangers movie. The thing that Ivy uses under. It also kind of looks like uh, the drop tubes from in space once it opens up. I would assume that this is some kind of garbage chute. I mean, this does look like a storage room. You might as well have a place to just toss your trash. So um, once the door is revealed, Bloom kind of snaps back and everybody jumps down the drop tube. And it spits them Um, out in the catacomb tunnels. Also, the UCG here a little bit. Um, it looks bad. Yeah, I noticed it looks, that. It looks really bad. I was like, why does this whole scene look kind of funky? I mean, on one hand, at least it's subtle enough that it's hard to notice. But on the but other hand... But once you do notice it... <laughs> yeah. It, it's It's like... <laughs> It's one of those things where until somebody points it out, you're blind to it. And then once they do point it out, you can't unsee it. It was not good. Or like a like a Mondegreen in a song where when, once somebody tells you that in Empire State of Mind, what dreams are made of sounds like Alicia Keys is singing wet dreams tomatoes. You'll never unhear it. Excuse me while I kiss this guy. Also, I love the fact that a Mondegreen is called a Mondegreen because it is a Mondegreen. Because <laughs> I met a new girl and her name is Aubrey, says Ariana Grande, starting furious Twitter rumors because she can't enunciate and she's actually saying her own name. Uh, we'll, we'll actually see Ariana's lack of enunciation uh, once we get to the recap specials. So the winks are free. We never actually do see what the tricks are doing. Uh, because we can't show animal sacrifice on a children's show. <laughs> they just destroyed Nut and made a different Nut. They're, they're sky clad, covered in moon's blood, sacrificing to the Baphomet. 
Um, so the Winks go back to school, and uh, it's the next day. It's also worth pointing out that uh, there's a shot here where Bloom is still transformed, and she raises her arm, and she does not have her glove. It is just Ooh. straight up not animated. So everybody's walking back to their dorm room. It's the next day. They've been out They're all, all night. <laughs> They're like, I don't feel like going to class today. Ha <laughs> It's like a sick day. Ha ha ha. Griselda shows up. Oh my god. Yeah, Griselda is waiting in front of their dorm room and basically summons everybody to Farragonda's office because they're in big trouble. Because head witchtress Griffin sent Miss Farragonda an email, an owl, I don't know. A, a, a note, a text. A thought. I think it's just a magic text. Saying that she was very angry that five fairies broke into Cloud Tower. Uh, the text message reads, uh, Sup B, peace sign emoji. Five of your girl emoji are, like letter R, in my school emoji. Five fairy emojis. Punish them. <laughs> and again, this is bringing it back to the weirdness where Griffin was like kind of chuffed about them being there. Like, wow, they're they're not as goody goody as I thought they were. Like that kind of stuff. But she also it's probably also like a good faith thing, like, hey, hey F, you should know. Your, some of your girls were in my school. Like, you know, I don't care, but I know you care. So... And they made it very clear, under no circumstances, go to Cloud Tower. So... And I, I hope you have a good explanation for it. Oh, yeah. Here's, here's where I got mad. Because... Me too! Farragonda says, I will give you a chance to explain why you would break into Cloud Tower. Bloom and starts Bloom explaining. Tries to say something. And then Griselda opens her mouth and says, they can't possibly have good reason for doing this. We need to punish them. And Farragonda's like, you're right. Uh, Griselda suggests the wing should be grounded. Now here's where I like to think of it a different way because it says we're going to take away their powers for a little while. I think it would probably more be like, we are going to take away your ability to use magic on school grounds, and you cannot leave school grounds. Like, you know? Yeah. And then here's here's uh, something that also, like, threw me off. So, Stella in Cineloom says, you wouldn't do that, would you? And she's phrasing, like, her voice actor sounds like she's delivering it like a question, like, oh no, you wouldn't, would you? But then Farragonda reacts like Stella has challenged her and been like, you wouldn't do that. Young lady, there are very few things in this world I wouldn't do. This is not one of them. And then Farragonda revokes their magic privileges. In Four Kids, Stella tries to be like, hey, well, the wit, the witches started it, which is never a good explanation and would ultimately be re resolved with retaliation is never a good enough reason to break the rules. But! 
if you'd have if she'd have said the witches stole my ring as far as we know the source of all her power or at the very least a very like potent magical artifact that is hers by birthright i i i have written down here they had a perfectly good reason. Some witches broke into the school and stole Stella's ring. They were going to get it back. Granted, that might not be a good reason under the eyes of the school, but the Twinks have reason to believe that the witches who stole it would not give it back willingly. Right. So if Farragonda was like, hey, Griffin, some of my girls say that one of your, some of your girls stole something. There's no way in hell those witches are going to give it back. Of course not. Especially when... Let's be real. From what we've seen of Cloud Tower so far, it seems like the kind of thing Griffin would say, well, too bad, so sad. But then again, we are also dealing with, like, magical law here, since it's if it's, a, if it's the birthright of the Princess of Solaria, like, there could be some, like, huge... It would basically be an international incident. You know what I mean? An inter-realm incident. If, uh if Griffin did not make the tricks, hand it back over. So it's just like, there's no reason to go that far. Griselda jumped the gun and thought they just did it for funsies. We are early enough in the show that Griselda is basically just Professor Snape. Um, Except I am 99% sure she didn't have a weird incel thing with one of their fathers. I said it. I, Nene Leaks, I said what I said, dot gif. <laughs> Come at me with your opinions. So Farragondo waves her hand, starts, and in, in Zinloom, she just waves her hands and starts taking green energy from the girls, which is presumably their powers. In the four kids version, she makes up stuff. She, yeah, she just kind of magicus revocus, totally grounded. Inventicus Termus, Soundicus Impressivus. Canis Latinicus. Also, if all of Stella's powers come from her ring, wouldn't Farragonda just take the ring? Shh, that would require internal consistency. <laughs> so, so back in the dorm room, Stella is like, well, we are... They, they're suspended for a week as well as grounded. Which makes sense, but at the same time doesn't well if they can't use magic on school grounds and all of the classes we've seen are practical classes it makes perfect sense because they wouldn't be able to participate and they just like get the notes and get like homework i would assume that's probably what's going to happen is that they'll get some sort of like packet of makeup work that they have to do while they're grounded that does not have to do with actually using magic it's just a bunch of quizzes that all account for half their grade uh, yeah. Bloom points out that, like, this isn't that big of a punishment for me. I've had, I haven't had magic for most of my life. So I'm used to this. But I know it's gonna be really bad for you guys. So we're gonna get our powers back and we're gonna solve what the tricks are doing. But Bloom, how are we gonna get our powers back? The magic word is winks. And then she winks at the camera. And what was that ending? That was terrible. Aside from dumb. That was just a really like, underwhelming way to end this episode. 
like how 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 did the four kids version do so much worse and yet have a much better ending? I know. Okay, um, in four kids, uh, first of all, Technic got her magic internet privileges revoked, which I think is funny. That is pretty good. But it has like darker music. It sounds more like a problem. Like we can't solve what the witches are doing because we know stuff that the professors don't. And we need to stop this. As opposed to, we'll get our powers back. Winks, womp. What? Winks, womp. <laughs> Winks, womp, Stella, Stella, Stella. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. So everybody's grounded. They can't use their powers. This will probably get solved in the next episode. Let's be real. Probably. This is not the kind of show that would keep this as a multiple episode arc. It's a show about magic. If there's not going to be any magic, what's the point? This is now when I'll also mention that episode seven is apparently the episode of the show that I've seen the most. Because I remember distinctly watching it four separate times. <laughs> so Goodness me. So let's let's get to the best, the worst, and our MVP. Tess, what is the best? Uh, okay, so my best is going to be Tecna. Bursting down that door. Same. That is also what my best is. That rule. That was so fun. You would not think of Tecna as the one who's the most willing to get physical. She wants to get out of there and she wants to get out of there now. She needs to check her aim messages. Okay, what was your worst? Griselda. Ah. I mean, I can see that. My worst was the ending. Yeah, it's not a good, it's not a great ending. That ending just completely shut down the entire tone of the episode. It's so odd because the episode is obviously padded for time. But the ending is so rushed. Well, we're grounded and we don't have our powers, but it's okay because I'm followed by the camera. Who's your MVP? Can it be Tecna again? <laughs> she was just really good this episode. Nobody says it can't. <laughs> uh, my best is Bloom because she is kickstarting the actual plot. Woohoo! Plot! Because Bloom is, like, we got the creation myth of the magic universe, and Bloom is hearing voices from flames. Makes sense. This was a good episode, and then it just completely crashed at the end. And the four kids was such a bad episode, but it had a good ending. It feels like something was swapped. This this is a solidly mediocre episode, which is weird for the episode that really starts to, you know, kick the show up a notch. But don't worry, next week we're right back into filler. I did some reading on TV tropes, and I think it's season four is the first one that does not have any filler episodes. Every episode is plot relevant. Oh, God. So we'll get there in, like, what, 2023? All right, Tess, did you have any last-minute things you wanted to say? I can't end every episode, but I fucking hate Rippin', so no. Um, my... My final word uh, for this episode is obsequious. My final word is colander. All right. Thank you for sticking around for another episode, Club Kids. 
You can find me, Brendan, on Twitter at Sonata Waves, S-O-N-A-T-A-W-A-V-E-S. You can find me on Twitter at Pocky Slice, Pocky like the delicious snack, slice as in a slice of pie. You can find the show on Twitter at Magic Winks Pod. We are available on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, and Google Podcasts. We have an email address, magicwinksclubhouse at gmail.com, where you can send any longer form questions that won't fit into a tweet. Uh, if you listen on a platform that allows for it, please rate and review the podcast. It's the best way to get uh, new eyes and ears on the pod. If you have any friends who are interested in Winx Club, bring us up to them. Uh, spread the word. And if all else fails, just hold your hand out and say, come join the club. With that, or meeting adjourned. Or just do oh. a loss. Or just do a lotus pose and just go home. Someone will ask what's wrong. It's called yoga. <laughs> oh, man. Until next time. We need a sign-off phrase. Oh, we do have one. Meeting adjourned. find a solution and right away let's try a little techno power not even a scratch <laughs>